0: I'm Matt Dixon and welcome to the Purple Patch Podcast. The mission of Purple Patch is to empower and educate every human being to reach their athletic potential. Through the lens of athletic potential, you reach your human potential. The purpose of this podcast is to help time-starved people everywhere integrate sport into life. And this is the Purple Patch Podcast and as ever, your host, Matt Dixon here. And this week, what we're gonna use this week To have a little glance back a little. And we're going to have a checkpoint on one athlete's performance journey. You see, about six months ago, I invited a brand new Purple Patch athlete to the show. His name was Ed Baker. And at the time of the recording, we were at the Purple Patch Pro Camp down at Scottsdale, Arizona. And I'd invited Ed to tag along to the camp, hoping that he would get battered, bruised, and punished all by my female professional athletes. You see, Ed was a busy executive and father. He had three kids, one on the way, by the way, making number four coming just before the Hawaii Ironman. And he was the former head of growth at Facebook and the head of product and growth at Uber. But he was just beginning his journey into triathlon. As a newcomer to the sport, his journey was going to be steep, but very long. He comes into the sport with a great pedigree in running as both captain of the Harvard cross country team, as well as an Olympic trials athlete in the marathon. So I knew it was going to be a fun story to track and follow. And hence, once we start working with each other, I said, Hey, come along to the pro camp. What have you got to lose? We can come and beat you up and hopefully accelerate the learning curve a little bit. In the discussion that you're going to hear again today, you're going to hear him talk all about his training for the Indoor Rowing Championships, which was the little amuse-bouche that he did before really diving into triathlon. Yep, well... To update you, he went on to win that event and now he's the world champion in his age category in Erd growing. But since then, on his triathlon journey, he's gone on and qualified to the 70.3 World Championships in South Africa, a spot that he's going to bypass because his number four baby is on the way there. And just this weekend, he competed in his very first Ironman. That in itself, a great accomplishment. Just eight months into the start of his journey with me and I throw him into an Ironman. Well, perhaps predictably, he won. Yep, overall, the iconic Lake Placid, nine hours and 18 minutes of fun and joy, sealing his qualification to this year's Hawaii Ironman World Championships. And so I thought it was perfect timing to go back and have a listen of his background life set up and of course, the journey ahead. So without further ado, for this week, a little special edition, we're going to go back in time, and listen to a conversation with Ed Baker. Alright guys, the meat and potatoes and today I have a very tired puppy with me because we are sitting on one of the last days of the Purple Patch Pro training camp but I've got a special guest, Ed Baker, who is not a professional triathlete but has just spent the last week with myself and the team. Down here in Scottsdale, Arizona, and he is just starting his triathlon journey. So he's been pummeled and humiliated throughout the uh, the week. Let me give you Ed's bio as we dive into this conversation around performance. And I think as I uncover the bio, you're going to start to see why I'm excited to have him on the show. So Ed was captain of the cross-country team at his university, Harvard, where he studied physics and chemistry. And following his journey at Harvard, he went on to work for some years at Bain Consulting and then Bain Capital, private equity based in Boston, and then launched as many exciting and adventurous people do into the Stanford Business School. And it was while he was Stanford that he ran in the Olympic trials for the marathon in 2007. And following Stanford, Ed started his first company, Friendly. And after growing that to 25 million users, he sold it to Facebook and became a part of the Facebook family, heading up international growth. After two years at Facebook, he went off to a company that you've probably heard of as well, Uber, where he head up the growth team there, became the VP of growth. And then after three years, evolved to also take on the VP position of product. So he was at Uber for four years Now he's moved back to Boston and he's ready for a new adventure. I've had many people actually ask me, what's coming next for Ed? Well, today I can make the announcement. I'm going to announce his next venture. He's gone from Facebook to Uber to now triathlons. A new journey is uh, paved for him. Ed, thanks so much for being on the show. Thanks for having me, Matt. Super stuff. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be an interesting exploration around performance, both in, in business, but also in sport, hopefully. So, uh, so we shall see where we meander. But I think to set the stage, as I said, you're, you're here with me in Arizona and the, uh, the Purple Patch Pros. How's I'm your a energy? tired puppy. You're a tired <laughs> I, puppy. Yeah. How's,
1: how's your energy? <laughs> um. You know, I I actually think I felt more tired a couple of days ago. Now that we're about seven or eight days in, I I'm feeling better, which is kind of scaring me. Um, but I think as you were telling me in the in the car earlier today, I'll probably hit that wall when I get home a few days later.
0: Yeah, you've got, you've got a couple of days left and then you'll come home with maybe with a little exhilaration and then probably hit a trough of fatigue, which is very, very common after any event of stress, be it, uh, be it positive or negative stress. So, so right. we're going to find out how that happens. We're going to talk a lot about the camp itself, but uh, I think first of all, why don't we go back in time a little bit? Because I think to provide context, both for your professional journey, but also for your athletics, I'd love to know a
1: little bit more about you. So
0: tell tell us, give us a couple of minutes on your story of growing up.
1: Okay. Uh, Would you like me to start with where I was born or? Yeah, let's go from the beginning. From the (laughs) beginning. So I was born in Seattle um, and then at the age of two, my family moved to Taiwan for a couple of years. So I actually apparently started speaking Chinese before English. Um, uh, then we moved back to California and I grew up in the Bay Area until the age of 13, at which point my family moved to Jacksonville, Florida, which okay. was a big, big move across the country. At, at 13, at as well. 13. Was, it, was that a tough transition? It, at that it was. It was, um, it was a tough time to move. We moved in the middle of the school year. And I had to leave all my friends behind. And this was before the internet. So I, I couldn't just message them or uh, FaceTime them or things like that. So I really did have to leave them behind. Um, but you know, it, it was a, it was a good experience overall. And after, um, going to high school in Jacksonville, Florida, went up to Boston for, for university and, um, stayed on the East Coast for a while. And then you've kind of, shared my bio from there,
0: the progression from there. So, so when did, when did sports come into it? You, you grew up mostly a runner. Yeah.
1: I did. So I, you know, back in elementary school, um, we used to run the mile every year and I, I did pretty well. And that was the one sport that I, I felt like I actually excelled at in some of the other sports. I didn't have the, the coordination to do as, as well as I did with running. So I just decided to be a runner.
0: And and then you uh, you continue through high school. Was was there a decision? Was there any of a question when you went to Harvard? And you obviously you you know you studied physics and chemistry at, at Harvard. So there's it's Harvard. There's a big right. load. Um, academics become increasingly important. Was it was there a decision point of whether you were going to continue on with athletics there, mm. or uh, or was there no question? You sort of that was a part of the package.
1: Um, you know, it's funny you ask that because. I kept thinking that I would, um, at some point stop doing the athletics. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, when I was about to go to Harvard, I was thinking maybe I won't run there, but I talked with the coach before, um, before going there and I liked him a lot and thought I might as well give it a try. And, um, and I found that it provided a good balance to, you know, run and have something, you know, in addition to the the school, the classwork. So, mm-hmm. um, I stuck with that and then I, I continued running even after college, even though I kind of once again thought maybe college would be the end of my athletic career.
0: And, and, and was the, the team environment, because if, uh, you know, I was a, a, a collegiate athlete and that, that created a real, a really nurturing environment. In fact, my first real experience of, mm-hmm. of team. And I think what sort of what you can do when you are surrounded with like-minded people. It actually raised my athletic potential. It also sort of raised my, my vision of the world. Was the was the team at Harvard, you were captain of the, of yes. the cross country team. So was that a an important, valuable part of your overall experience? Oh,
1: it was a hugely valuable part. And um, still many of my closest friends today are friends from Harvard track and cross country. And so I think the, the pain that you endure with your teammates um, and things you go through together and then also competing together um, I think creates these bonds that it's hard to find anywhere else.
0: And, and did, did you did you find that academics suffered in that environment
1: and the commitments are running or, or in many ways did you feel like that actually helped lift the academics? You know, looking back, I I think it may have helped. Um it's funny because there there were a few periods of time when I would get injured or between seasons where I wouldn't have track practice or cross country practice and I'd think, "Oh, I'm going to get a lot more done now that I'm not running." But I'd find I would actually be if anything less productive when I didn't have that same kind of um schedule where, you know, yeah. and, and the workouts, I felt like it provided a good balance.
0: There's the whole saying of, uh, if you want, to, if you want to get something done, ask a busy man. That's sort of part of it. So, so fast forward, we'll move to your, your professional career and obviously your, your professional bio I would say is solid. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but as things ramped up professionally, you continued running, uh, while you're in Boston and actually into Stanford because you're at Stanford Business School, which is in itself is a massive commitment. Mm-hmm. And, and you probably, I'm sure, met, um, all sorts of really interesting and inspirational people while at Stanford. Mm-hmm. Everyone I've ever spoken to that has gone to Stanford, um, and I've been lucky to meet many a part of that is sort of the, the connection that you meet. Mm. But you actually did,
1: uh, you continued running there because that was at the same time you were there, you were training for now the marathon, yeah? And the That's Olympic right, trials. that's right. So after college, I, I continued running and um, I decided to start putting in higher mileage weeks than I ever had before. So in college, I was probably running, you know, in the high double digits, 60 to 80 miles a week, but never more than that. Post-college, I, I thought, I'm going to train for the marathon, and I started running 100 to 120 miles a week <laughs> and got into, I think, the best shape of my life. Um, fortunately, did not get injured doing that. But uh, it also, again, provided balance with, you know, whether it was the work I was doing at Bain Capital or once I was at Stanford, it was still nice to have that have that balance. And And, and I think
0: it's important not for your own gloating uh, but actually to provide context of the type of athlete that you are so just by obviously going to the olympic trials you you were running at a high level but your your best time for a half marathon was 105 that's right 10517 10517 yeah. so almost 104 <laughs> what a disappointment you are and uh, <laughs>
1: and then your marathon was 221 that's right and that was back when it you had to get under 222 to qualify for the trials they, they've now lowered that standard
0: okay okay yeah Well, you know yeah that's uh so you know it's, it's that super platform of of running and really running at a, at a very very elite level so so let's shift tracks a little bit then and um now you leave stanford you start friendly you you go on the journey that takes you through facebook to uber to now as you went through and obviously your professional life accelerated, it, absolutely ramped up your, your, your positions, your demands on you, you obviously heightened as you went through that journey. Did you maintain the athletic mindset and, and, and actually yeah, the athletic practice? Did you really, was that always a
1: piece of an important piece of your sort of performance globally as you accelerated? You know, I, I tried to keep it as a piece, but unfortunately, I, I was not able to do so mm-hmm. um, for much of the past decade. So um, kind of after the after Stanford Business School and after the Olympic trials, things just started getting really busy at Facebook and well, my own startup, then Facebook, then Uber. And um, there were, I'd say for most of that time, I actually was not sane in shape and, and running as much as i had before
0: and, and with what uh, was the biggest compressor that you had uh what was it i'm kind of done with it burnt out
1: or was it simply an indicator of time yeah. so I, th- I think at the time i convinced myself i didn't have the time to keep working out i think there was maybe also a part of me that felt like uh you know i've maybe I've maybe passed my peak and Mm -hmm. it's all downhill from here. So why even bother? Um, I don't know. I think it's a it was a combination of things, but I found that as a result, I, it was kind of like what I told you in college when I would take weeks off from running, I don't think I was actually more productive and I definitely was not living as, as healthy of a lifestyle. I wasn't sleeping as much. And I think I, I actually lost out on a lot of things by taking that time off from, from training.
0: Yeah. From a, you wouldn't, you probably wouldn't change your journey. you had a marvelous professional journey, but knowing what you know now, uh, on the, on the backside of at least that chapter, let's call it that, uh, are there things that you would revisit and change from, from 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 the physical training, health and lifestyle that you think could have helped
1: you perform better in the workplace. Sure, I, I guess hindsight's always twenty twenty. But sure. looking back, I I think I probably could have done everything I did just as well, if not better, if I had figured out ways to keep that training time in there. Mm-hmm. You know. And I, I think um, even if I hadn't trained at a, a super high level, even just getting in um, a short workout five days a week in the morning before going to work or something like that, um, I think that would have been possible. And I think I probably would have had more energy at work during the day. I probably would have slept better and just had better habits overall. Well, I tell you, you're lucky you're not a swimmer
0: because uh, you know runners. Of the athletes that I have met, and I grew up a swimmer, most swimmers uh, overtrain so much that when they're done with the sport, they really go off the rails. <laughs> they, they tend to they tend to add fifty pounds yeah. and uh, and uh, never touch a swimming pool again. Although right. most of the runners that are, that I meet, it's a lifestyle that they often come back to, and they 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 really never lose the love of right. running, which right. which I think is. Uh, Indicative of the structure of the sport, <laughs> so at least you weren't a swimmer. You would have really gone off that's the rails. True. And uh <laughs>
1: although I have to say, having been at this training camp this past week, I've enjoyed the swims and the bike rides more than the runs, and that's probably because I've been a runner my whole life, and the sure. swimming and biking is more new to me. So <laughs> it's
0: well, well, let's dive into that yeah. triathlon. Um, why? why? What made you? What made you sort of make this this decision? I mean, you're. You're lucky, earned luck, but you're lucky to have the capacity to, to follow this passion for, a, for, you know, it's not a determined scent of time, but what was it that draws you to triathlon and really what are, what are your hopes and goals over this journey that you're going to take on?
1: Yeah. Well, so I, I think it started uh, when I left Uber last March. The same week that I left Uber, um, another company I'm advising called Zwift Uh, their founder, Eric, uh, set me up with a cycling coach to test out using Zwift. So I started getting, I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. And so I um, started using Zwift and hopping on the bike and I enjoyed it. And um, I found that the low impact of cycling um, made it a lot easier for me to do multiple sessions in a row. So I figured, okay, well, I'm enjoying cycling. Maybe I should try swimming as well. And so I went out to the Stanford master's practices and, um, got pretty beat up my first day in the slowest lane. People were (laughs) telling me that my feet were sinking and I was dragging an anchor, but you know, it it was another low impact sport, which I, I, I kind of like as I'm getting older, um, not pounding on the body every day with the running. Sure. So that kind of, the combination of those things made me think, you know, maybe I should give the triathlon a try. Mm-hmm. And so then I realized I'm going to need a coach. <laughs> and fortunately I was introduced to you and mm-hmm. more fortunately you agreed to take me on. I'm still not sure why. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's a question I ask. But yeah. 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 Um. Well, let, let, let's actually take a tangent on that. So yeah. your, your first thought was, I'm going to get into this you've been an elite athlete. You've obviously been a leader of teams as well. Where do you see the value of a coach? So so what am I to provide outside of a training plan? Where, where,
1: generally, in general scopes, where do you see the value of a coach? Yeah, well, so the past several months before I started working with you, I was trying to train some on my own, but I I really was kind of meandering and I didn't know, I, d- I didn't really know what I should be doing. I didn't know what goals I should set for myself. I didn't know what races I should sign up for. Um, I didn't know if I was overtraining or undertraining. There were just a lot of unknowns. Mm-hmm. But not only that, I find for me, it's really helpful to have someone, when I go on a journey, who can kind of go on that journey with me and who can, um, you know, it, it, it can, I think, be pretty lonely otherwise. And um, given, you know, how many hours a week you train for the sport. So it's it's really nice to have someone there who can let me know when I need to pick it up a bit and work a bit harder, but also let me know when I should Ease back and and take it easy.
0: And you talk about goals. What's the what's the mission of your sport? You can can say it publicly, and it, and it's not defined by race results, is it? That the reason no. for doing this is um, is different than
1: I want to win X. So, That's right. You know. And I, and I think, as I told you the other night, my my goal right now and my mission is to realize my full potential. And I don't know what that means yet, or where that will lead me, but I. I really want to I, I want to do that I want to be able to look back and say I did the best I possibly could have done and um and i 'm going to need help getting there uh, but i uh i 'm excited to see where that takes me
0: that's great and you know it's quite you you say that um I want to realize my full potential in almost uh, the most successful elite athletes I have worked with and interestingly the most successful executives that i have worked with professionally there is always a common thread of a thirst for learning and a and a thirst for personal evolution or growth mm. and, and really that i think that's really what you're saying there where it's like this i'm doing this and i and i want to grow to as much as i can possibly grow that's right which, which is a much healthier and ultimately I, i'd say a framework of success to build within of which then you'll say okay we're going to target these events we're going to mm-hmm. achieve hopefully these results and when they come to fruition but the events in many ways become stepping stones that's right on the journey as you mentioned which i think is is really important and 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 i think you 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 tell me a corrective and different i think that that is exactly the same in athletics as it really should be in in the workplace
1: professionally as well for sure I, i've noticed quite a few Parallels and similarities, but I think that's definitely one of them being goal driven and uh, goal oriented. You know, and when I was at Facebook and Uber, a big part of what we would do on the growth teams at those two companies was set a goal and say, you know, by the end of the year, we want to be at this place. We want to have this many monthly active users or have completed this many trips over the course of the year, but not just have that goal have the ability to check in frequently and and set some milestones along the way so we would on the growth team every week say okay like how are we doing versus our goal and the trajectory to get there and i think there are a lot of similarities in terms of of training which i'm i'm still learning but it feels like there are a lot of similarities
0: yeah and one one thing you mentioned about the workplace the other night was it's a it's a marathon not a sprint which is, right. <laughs> which is exactly what i ironically told the team when i talked yeah. about baby steps not giant leaps that's which, right you know you could you could go through are there any other parallels because uh, that that sounds clear goals with objectives that you track and measure progress and mm-hmm. and refine understanding it's a journey that it's not yeah. a
1: sprint which I think are many mistakes people really make. That mistake, yeah, definitely. But, yeah. And you know, another thing you said on the first day of camp was how important the basics are. Um, the basics being just your basic training plan, um, strength, sleep, nutrition—just all of those those basic things—that makes up ninety five percent of your performance. And all of the other little details, like what type of bike you have or you know all these all these things that you are easy to get distracted by that's just that last five percent yeah and i think there's definitely a parallel there in the workplace where it's a lot of times easy to get lost in the details and if you step back for a minute and say okay what's really going to move the needle here what are like the the three big things we can do to help us achieve our goal yeah um that's it's a good reminder, like focus on those things. Don't get bogged down in all the details, which
0: is great. And and one more thing before we talk about the camp, which I, I want to dive into a little bit. You said something at, um, the other day to me around uh, uh, previous experiences, at least athletically of distraction, preventing full focus. And I I think that's a fabric of your, your journey moving forward of this, this chance. Can, can you
1: just repeat that? Cause I I found that fascinating. Oh, well, (laughs) I think you were just asking me kind of looking back at these different points in my life. uh, Are there things I, I would have done differently if Mm -hmm. I could. And, um, Again, hindsight's twenty twenty. But I, I think one thing that I realize now, having gone through some of these different stages, is these journeys—they have be a beginning, middle, and an end. But when you're in the middle middle of that journey, or at the beginning of the journey, it can feel like it's going to last forever. So it's easy to kind of take it for granted and and put things off and get distracted and just say, "Oh, you know, I can always do that later." But then when it's over whether you know for me it was like i graduated from college i'm no longer on the harvard cross country team so i'll never have a shot to run faster on that team sure or i'm done with my time at uber and i've done everything there i could it's um makes me realize there are ends to these journeys and it makes me think if anything i'd Go back and try to put even more into it while I'm in the middle of it, knowing that it's going to end at some point and it's going to actually looking back feel a lot shorter than than it did at the time.
0: It's super. And it's, uh, you know, I think that professional athletes sometimes lose that perspective where it's like this is a very treasured and short period of time that you absolutely want to maximize it. And it's only when you're done like I am, i 'm a washed up old pro uh, that did a very poor job at a professional athlete career. Um, wow, there were so many things that i that I let bypass me, yeah. and um, you know I'm left with well, not too much regret because ultimately that I think that helped me become a better coach but um, sure. but enough about me. Yeah. I want to talk about camp. Uh, And I want to talk about two things when we talk about camp. The the last thing, the first is actually your experience uh, before you you came, as well as sort of some of the stuff that you've gone through here, but also dive into a little bit around the team, the squad that you've been immersed into. So let's go back before the camp. Uh, You have done very few triathlons uh you have just started training really you've I've just done One and a half. One i, a I half. did an olympic
1: triathlon a few years ago and then half of a half iron man half of a half <laughs> he is
0: he is half so, of half a man It seems, right. but uh <laughs> but so coming in and i said hey good welcome to purple patch you are going to come and join my, my pros and come and train for 10 days in Scottsdale, Arizona. What, what were your emotions prior to this? Uh,
1: well, first I was flattered that you extended an invite to me. And then as I thought about it some more, I started getting pretty nervous. And I said to my wife shortly before I, I left for camp, I said, I don't know about this thing. I don't know if I'm going to belong there and fit in there. Uh, I don't know what Matt was thinking when he invited me. Um, and she said, "Oh, you've been working out. You'll be fine." And I was thinking, "You don't know. You don't understand." Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I I was definitely quite nervous going into it. So, have the did did those fears manifest
0: themselves on the camp? How's the experience been?
1: So you know, actually, as soon as I got here, I I was still nervous, but everyone was so so friendly that I I felt okay. People are are accepting this new guy. And um, and after the first few workouts, I felt like one thing I realized is everyone's kind of doing this together, mm-hmm. and um, and some people are you know faster in the pool or slower on the run or vice versa, but we're all kind of doing this as a team despite everyone being at different stages of fitness and and that kind of thing. So my my fears went away after. The first day of training.
0: Okay. And, and what, what have the surprises or lessons been over the course of the camp for you as an athlete?
1: Yeah. Um, well, one is just the, uh, the volume that we're doing every day. It's kind of new for me to be mm-hmm. doing, you know, swimming, biking, and running all in one day, multiple days in a row. But I've been surprised that my body has seems to have adjusted pretty quickly to that. And I think some of the stuff I was doing on the rowing machine somehow has helped me translate over to that. But I've also just been impressed with all of the people here. And, you know, some of the the best athletes in the world are at this camp, and they're all super humble, friendly. Uh, everyone has a sense of humor. And, you know, I was mentioning this to you earlier, but I feel like those are some qualities that i also found in the workplace uh in the most successful people you know people who who are humble and have a sense of humor and and are just you know friendly people that you you know like to get along with like i think those qualities make people successful whether it's in the workplace or or in this case uh, in athletics uh,
0: i th- i think it's true and i think from the outside looking in 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 any organization uh there is um, a perception of, of what it's like but um, even in an individual sport like this, does it surprise you sort of what a team mindset um, the squad has where they they actually you know there's no infighting definitely no I
1: mean theres there's definitely uh, there's definitely a team mindset here which I think I didn't necessarily expect coming into it given that a tri- triathlon is such an individual sport but I see people here are, are really supportive. And, um, you know, just to give a few examples myself, you know, Laurence gave me nutrition advice the other day. Emily's hosting all these athletes at her home. Elliot made scrambled eggs for everyone the other day. And, um, there's just support all around Everyone's supporting everyone else. Um, so that's, that's been really cool.
0: How about the personalities of the the individual athletes? Um, Do do you see any, these are elite performers. You have worked Harvard, uh, Bain, all the way through the journey, obviously Facebook, Uber, you've worked with many, many high achieving people that are elite performers in the workplace. You are now immersed in a professional squad of athletes who are elite performers in sport. Are there any connections or traits or personalities that you see with you know, these guys riding their bikes around very fast and someone being <laughs> a fantastic coder or CEO?
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, yeah, you know, and I've wondered how much of this is um, parallels across the, the sport versus the workplace, or how much of it is is the people that happen to be a part of Purple Patch. But I've really been impressed with just – how not only talented everyone is, but everyone's super intelligent, they're driven and hardworking, they're goal-oriented. Uh, a lot of the same characteristics I would I would see in people who are successful in the workplace, I see with the people that are here at camp. So I, I, I actually kind of feel right at home with this group of, of athletes. Um, it feels very much like people I would... Be surrounded with at the workplace.
0: It's it's really really interesting, and I and I do think that there is a a small element of uh, purple patch. Just that, that this particular group of athletes that we have, you know, I'm I'm going to be recording a show with three of our our newbie pros, mm-hmm. uh, two that are just going uh, pro this year. So there'll be first year pros, and then Cecilia who will be going into a second year as a professional. And when you read their bios, you remove the athletics and you look at their academic bios with phd in organic chemistry from oxford and columbia medical school and marine biologists and you think these are highly (laughs) impressive people and uh the sort of stuff i can only aspire to and it's oh and by the way they're going to be professional athletes (laughs) and and that's actually i i want to dig into that a little bit with those three women because i find it fascinating that they are such high achievers at the same time they're they're able to and have the quest to go on this this journey for a short part mm-hmm. of their life to to achieve sort of ultimately world class performance, which is which is really really good. Um, well, Ed, thank you so much. It's been uh, it's been very very interesting and really insightful. And I, I I will give you a a humble teaser. You know, it's I always I said the other day to the squad, praise with precision. In other words, don't just flower people with, uh, with too much praise too regularly, they get used to it and they become mute to it. Uh, so I'm very deliberate with praise, but I will say that it's, it's rare that someone can come in and integrate and, uh, and put forth their best effort, but also, um, do a fantastic job of, of self-management. And, uh, and so I think that you're going to have a, a fruitful journey, in triathlon and uh, i look forward ultimately to help you realize your full potential and if we can do that i think that the results will be great but the thing i'm most excited about is the journey of that potential and so um so i think you're going to be a great part of purple patch and i and i thank you for be willing to to chat to us here about performance and i guess we'll have you on in uh in nine months time and we can see yes. how the uh, see how the season's uh, gone
1: that sounds great i know i i still have a lot to learn but i am excited to go on this journey with you awesome. thanks matt
0: all right cheers ed take care bye. bye so just one more thing to note with ed as we finish up this discussion i want to say a mention of how we set up his race strategy for lake placid you see i think you have to realize that it comes out in the discussion but ed is clearly a racer he loves to compete and frankly. He kind of likes to suffer. He's not afraid to ask for more work, always wanting to accelerate his performance. More, more, more. How can I charge? How can I get better? It's a joy to coach, but of course it's one that takes management. And now this last weekend, he was going in to do his first Ironman. His racing plan, train all day. Train all day, you say? Yep, train all day. You see, while I felt like he had potential to do what he did do, to get there, I felt like it was critical to keep Ed focused on the process, or as the Americans might say, the process. I'm going to say process. Not the outcomes, the racing, the placing, and the times, but just the process. Get busy doing and managing what's in front of you. You see, Ed had never competed in a nine-hour-plus event. He'd never experienced that Ironman grind that so many of you will be familiar with. And so, the only way that he was going to be successful was for me to actually humble him, quite frankly, scare him a little bit, so that we could hold him back and keep his mind in management and execution mode. Patience, patience, patience. Train, never ever race, at least not until the last 10K. Going into the week, he really struggled with this concept. But the good thing, and this is high coachability, he listened and he embraced. He focused on the process, and yes, ultimately found the race much, much harder than he could imagine, but his humble approach enabled a wonderful result, and I think if we all put our brain power together, guys, I think that maybe, just maybe, there might be a lesson in there for all of us. Process, not outcome, or as I'm going to say, process, not outcome. You see, this is the route to magic. Next week, I'm going to give you the secret on how to maximize your training day. A single key ingredient that costs nothing but promises to absolutely maximize the results of your time staff training. It is the turbo boost. It is the magic dust. It's the hack. Oh, I hate that broken promise phase, but the hack of how to get the most out of your work. You want the best results in your performance? Tune in next week because... I promise I'm going to give you the performance secret. Now, I'll sign off to next week. But one final word, if you want to hear Ed's thoughts about it, there's a nice little article and I'll leave that link in the show notes. Until next week, take care.